Good morning and welcome to the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. It is February 9th, 2024. This is episode 72. And we have another travel edition. I am right now, at this very moment, on the road driving to Temecula, California, the famous Pachinga, Pachinga? Hotel and Casino. I will be doing four performances there this weekend. Uh, February 9th, February 10th, uh, 7 and 9 p.m. shows. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, I am not even going to arrive there until about 1 in the morning, which will actually be 2 in the morning, according to my current clock, which is set to Arizona time. And, uh, yeah, excited to be doing this gig. It's my first time at this casino. And I'm very fortunate. I, uh, caught the eye of a entertainment booker who, uh, has started to book me more and more for more and more casino gigs. So, that is exciting. I actually met him right before the pandemic and was on his radar then. But then, of course, uh, everything went to pit, as you may recall. So it is exciting to, yeah, start having some of these opportunities pop back up on my radar. And so I've got uh, four shows this weekend out in Temecula. And then I've got two casino shows actually back in Arizona here in the next week. So I am just cruising from casino to casino. I did that casino in New Mexico last month and that uh, gig up in Denver, who, or excuse me, um, Colorado, who was booked by this same entertainment company. So they were very cool. I am late getting on the road, though, because... Um, I was trying to leave, and it occurred to me I had this um I had these two chairs that I had purchased that I was actually using in my podcast. And uh, so I had a podcast guest one night. Uh, this would be the Sarah Williams episode if any of you are following along. And she sat down on the chair and literally fell through it. And she is not a heavy woman. Let me just put it that way. Uh, she probably weighs less, uh, definitely weighs less than me. Um, and I was on the, so I had, I bought two of the exact same chair. And so the chair, like the actual seat itself, the seat cushion just rests on this piece of sort of meshy fabric. And yeah, so that piece of fabric literally just ripped at the seam and she just collapsed through the chair. I just felt absolutely horrified because here she is out coming to being a guest on my podcast and my furniture is in unstable. So I'm getting ready to leave for Temecula and then it occurs to me that I have to return those chairs by February 11th, which is Sunday. So in other words, I wouldn't have time to return them if I didn't return them right away. So the problem was, is they were all, I had, I had stripped them all down. You know, I'd uh, 
reduced it all back to their like just normal pieces and stuff. But I didn't have the boxes anymore. And so I just hadn't taken the time yet to figure out, well, how am I going to map navigate all of these furniture parts? I don't have the boxes. And I'm going, oh, man, I don't want to go buy boxes just trying to put this dissembled chairs in and, you know, so all of that stuff. But finally, I'm going, well, I need to figure this out now. Otherwise, I'm never going to be able to return these chairs and get my money back. We're not talking a lot of money. They were like 75 bucks. And obviously, I got what I paid for, which was garbage. So anyway, I had a couple of boxes that weren't big enough to actually fit everything, but it could fit some of the parts. So I boxed up some of the parts. I just threw the rest of them in my car. And then drove to the Amazon shipping center and just hoped that they would have boxes for me and that it wasn't like, a, oh, no, you have to have the original boxes or you got to go buy new ones. I was like, just be cool. You're an Amazon shipping center. I'm sure you have a box back there somewhere. And and they did. And the guy was totally cool. So we were able to uh, use an Amazon box that barely fit everything. They were like busting out of the seams. He's like, don't worry about it. Slapped a label on it and boom. So that pushed me back about an hour and a half from when I wanted to get on the road. And then the second thing that happens is a friend of mine, actually the same friend who fell through the chair, ironically enough, gives me a call. She goes, Paul, I'm at this open mic. You need to come down here. There's a couple of bookers who are here. One of them's from Dry Bar. And I'm like, oh, Dry Bar, I've been trying to get a dry bar special for like four years and I could never get the booker to respond to me. So I'm thinking, oh, if he's actually down here in Arizona, that would be really good to go see him in person. So I drive to the open mic. I see a lot of people I know there. And then I just said, who's the dry bar booker? And she points to a friend of mine who I actually know, uh, who's a stand-up comment. I'm going, well, that's not the booker for dry bar. She said, oh, well, he said that he's like helping him out or something. I'm like, well, even better because I'm friends with this guy. We've actually done shows together before and he knows me. So anyway, so I went over, introduced myself, but I didn't really want to like stay for the open mic because I'm going, I've got a six hour drive ahead of me and uh, I'm totally fine with night drives. I love driving at night actually, but I just, you know, I didn't want to, be getting in at three or four in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I want to be getting at one or two in the morning and realizing that California is an hour behind me, which means I'm losing an hour. Um, so anywho, I go to the open mic. I kind of schmooze. There's a handful of friends of mine there. That's cool. And then they had put me on the list to do the open mic, but I was 24th on the list. And I'm just like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to sit around for 23 other comics all doing five minutes. What's 20 times five? 115 minutes. So that's like an hour and 45. And let's be honest, you know, after introductions and the host and everybody, it's like, yeah, that's that's going to be a good two, two hours plus before I even get to go up. And I'm just like, that's not going to happen. So I stick around for the first few comics and then... I just decide, you want to know what? I got to get on the road. I already said hi to, you know, the the bookers that I knew who were there and blah, 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 blah. 
So then as I'm, as I'm leaving, the host says, hey, we just had somebody drop out at an earlier spot. Do you want to take that spot? And it was like the 11th spot. And I'm going, uh, I almost didn't do it, but then I'm going, because there were only like four comics in. I'm going, all right. So I just kind of do the math in my head. I go, all right, seven times five, that's 35 minutes. Seven, or there's seven comics till my spot or whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So then I turn around, hung out, watched the uh, other comics. Some comics did really well, as usually the case. And then I got up there and did my thing, had a lot of fun. Didn't, I didn't actually try any new material. I did a couple of riff jokes where I was just, you know, riffing on the venue, riffing on what I saw. There was an electric drum set on on the uh, stage there. Here was my joke for the electronic drum set. Tell me if you like this joke. I said, I've always wanted to do comedy in front of electric, in front of an electric drum set. Uh, this electric drum set, it's a lot like my comedy because when you hear it, it sounds like it's the real deal. But in reality, people can't tell the difference. Is that it? That was the essence. I don't feel like I worded that right. I'm like, my comedy is like an electronic drum kit. Oh, my comedy is like an electronic drum kit. I'm not actually the real deal, but most people can't tell the difference. That was the joke. So I wrote that. I, I wrote that little joke uh, right before I went on stage. People laughed at that. And then I had a couple of the wrist stuff. And then I just went into pretty much the same material I've been doing for about the past six or seven months. With some adjustments, I've still been refining my material. I'm always trying to refine it and see if I can make it flow a little bit better. There's some material, There, there's this bit that I do where I talk about calling the suicide hotline, which is just such a dark topic, you know? And I've, yeah, I don't know, I've, I feel like it always made the audience just a little bit uncomfortable when I first approach it. They kind of pull back a little bit, as can be expected, because that's a very sensitive topic. Um, and then by the time I get into the bit, I kind of warn people back when I start saying the jokes and just they realize, oh, this was just his experience and he's OK, so we're OK to laugh at it. But I've been wanting to see if I could get into that bit with a little less abrasiveness, because the way that I was doing it, I was almost overcompensating. I was I was preparing the audience for it by just saying like, hey, I'm going to talk about something a little dark. You know, I don't mean to be dark, but it's just what happened. So I was sort of prepping the audience for it. And then I was like, yeah, so, you know, I called the suicide hotline when I got out of this relationship or whatever. I don't know, you know, like the audience was not totally ready for it yet. Or it's not that they weren't ready for it. And I just think that they were... Like, oh, okay, all right, he, he's going to talk about something dark. This is where we're going, but this is an uncomfortable topic. And that's how I did it. I mean, and that, and that went okay. But I've been thinking about, well, how can I make that better? And can I make that transition actually more funny instead of doing this preemptive, I'm going to kind of get real here for a second and put people in sort of this like, hey, get prepared for some dark stuff. 
And is there a way that I could just go straight into it? And I've had a couple ideas and I actually tried my idea on how to do it differently. And it actually worked really well. Because um, I actually just a- a- approached it as a joke. I just said, so I got out of the relationship. It was totally fine. I only had to call the suicide hotline once. <laughs> and that was the joke. And And people laughed. And then I was able to just go like, right into that um into that part of my routine so that was exciting that was exciting that i was able to improve upon one element of my stand-up comedy routine even though it's a bit i've been doing for a good six seven months now maybe even longer maybe seven eight months is when i first started trying to approach that material um and that it's, uh, you know, it. I was able to improve it a little bit. And that really is the name of the game. You just you try something, it goes like it goes, and then if you feel it can be done better, then you try to come up with hypotheses on what might make it more funny. Give it a try, and the audience will tell you in real time if it was funny or not. Because they will either laugh or they will not. And that is the brutal yet very real uh, reality of stand-up comedy. Fun times. So, yeah. So, I did that. Um, had a good time. Uh, the booker who, um, again, he's actually a friend of mine. I was able to talk to him a little bit. He's like, hey, we need to catch up and go to lunch. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because if he actually does have connections to Dry Bar, that would be really good. Because he's a he's a really funny comic, and I think that he he has done a Dry Bar. So maybe if they're sort of having him be a talent scout, then maybe that would be a way for me to get in, get into the Dry Bar. So anyway, so that was fun, and you know, I think it's so important because I know that I forget to just be grateful for the people in your life who are looking out for you. Because again, that comic friend of mine, she didn't have to call me. She didn't have to think about me. She didn't need to say, hey, there's this open mic, get your butt down here. But she did. And that ended up leading to some good reconnections, a little bit of stage time, and now here I am on the road heading out to uh, Pachanga Hotel and Casino for some fun gigs this weekend. So I am looking forward to that. So, you know, everybody, I hope that you have people in your corner, in your team who are out there looking out for you as well, trying to let you know when opportunities are available and yeah, treat those people like gold. Say thank you. Let them know you're grateful. And and I did that. I sent her a nice message. Just said, hey, thank you so much for having my back. That means a lot. And it does. Because as much as entrepreneurship and especially comedy, acting, um, going for dreams, it can feel so alone and I think I know at least for me that my my propensity is to try 
and do it all by myself and think that I actually can do it all by myself. But there is nothing more invaluable. Did I say nothing more valuable than, than um, people who are on your team and are looking out for you and actually don't really, you know, they're not doing it just to try to get something from you. You know, they genuinely want to help you out. They see your talent. They see your drive and want to be helpful. So very, very grateful for my friend for that opportunity to go out and do an open mic. And so grateful that I am currently driving right now to Temecula, California to continue pursuing my dreams, being a stand-up comedian. And hopefully there will come a day where the people are coming to see me. How exciting would that be? All right, you beautiful, lovely dreamers. I hope your dreams are going well. I love you all so much, and I will check in with you tomorrow. Oh, man.